Thank you, Natalie. Uh, we're going to get Barbara and Jennifer and Susan up here. Susan, yes, come on up. They do look fragile. I know, if we go down, <laughs> I mean, this. Uh, so this evening, we're going to uh, just share some of our life, a little bit about who we are, a little bit about our experience with women's ministry, uh, and we want to build pictures. For our sound people, is it okay if we use this one for two of us, since we're on camera? Thank you. Sorry, Morgan. Do you want to trade with Susan? Do I want to trade? No. Mics? I'm just giving this mic to Susan. Oh, 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 I see. Yep. So she, didn't. she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just gave it to her. Susan gave me. Got it. Uh, so, Susan, why don't you get us started with your name? I missed the whole thing. I know. Uh, so, Susan, why don't you get us started? Uh, your name, your age, your age, uh, some about your family, your kids. Uh, just tell us a little bit about you. Okay, my name is Susan, and I'm 26 years old. <laughs> 27. No, um, I am the second oldest member of this panel. Oh, yeah, like. Okay, is it on now? Okay, my name is Susan. I am 58 years old and a half, actually. And I am married to Nick almost 25 years. And we have Sarah, who is 16, Daniel, who's 15, and Joshua, who's 15. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> All right, Barbara, go ahead. Okay. I'm Barbara Fletcher, and I am 78 and three quarters. <laughs> whoop, whoop. Um, and uh, obviously, the very oldest person in the room. Um, but anyway, no. no. Oh, not quite. You're more than 78 Blame and three how quarters. How old are you? Woohoo! Let's hear it for us. Okay. <laughs> Um, I have three children, all married um, long since, and um, nine, or eight grandchildren. A ninth, I almost said nine because my oldest granddaughter is Nepali and was adopted from Nepal, and her brother is in Nepal, and we discovered him um, when she was 18 and reconnected, and so. But he's in Nepal. We can't, we've tried to get him to the States without success. It's hard to get immigration to work here anymore, so. Yeah. So that's my family. Uh, my name is Morgan, like I said. I've been married to my husband for 12 years. We have three kids. Uh, we have a six-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a nine-year-old. And so this is our first year with all of them in grade school. And like I said, it feels like we're entering empty nesting. I know we're not. It feels like it a little bit. Uh, and 
we just got a puppy six months ago, and he's now one. So we got him when he was six months old. He's now one. And it's equal parts. It's not equal parts. It's 60% we love him, and 40% we question why we got him. <laughs> so... I'm also 26. <laughs> We're twins. <laughs> um, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Arranged marriage at 14. <laughs> uh, I'm 34. I'm, thir I'm 34 and one-fifth. So I am Jennifer Roth. I am 50 and 7 twelfths. <laughs> okay. Are you? March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October. 7 twelfths. She is 12.5. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about. I just have my age. Leap. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Let's see. My first career was as a well, my first career was as a camp counselor at Canyon View, but my first career, real career was a school teacher, and then I stayed home for 11 years, and now I work at Salem Alliance, and I've been there 11 years. I am. I already told you I was 50 and 7 twelfths. I've been married for 24 years. Don't know the fraction on the rest of that, and I have three kids. So my son Josiah is a senior at Corbin. And Titus is uh, 19, almost 20, and taking a very Titus-like path through life. This year, he is the middle school intern at Salem Alliance. That's what he's doing. And then my daughter, Abigail, is 16. And um, yeah, she just got her license this week. So I'm also more closer than you to an empty nest. Um, but I'm not driving anymore. So that's like a brand new thing. So that's me. Uh, okay, we'll start with Jennifer. Why don't you tell us something interesting or unique or your deepest, darkest secret? Okay. <laughs> I'll go with my deepest, darkest secret. Okay, so something interesting about me that I'm guessing most of you in the room don't know, but some of you might. If you are familiar, just hands up if you're familiar with Ikebox or Isaac's, uh, the two coffee shops in town. So they're a, they're a social enterprise uh, youth um, it's a nonprofit to help youth in town, and that's my brother and his wife. So Mark Bulgin and Tiffany Bulgin are um, my, it's my brother and his wife. So that's something interesting about me. The other thing that maybe half of you in the room know is that Willamette Valley Pie Company is my husband's side of the family. So I got two different coffee shops to go to. Thank you. Um, I knew I was going to ask this question, and I wish I would have come up with something, but now I have to think on the spot. The only things that come to mind are the things I always tell you guys, so they're not interesting or new facts anymore, but some of you might not know that I used to play in Pokemon tournaments, <laughs> um, and I was, this is old school Pokemon, not the new school Pokemon. This was like back in the day Pokemon, so I used to play in Pokemon tournaments, and I used to skateboard, like go to the skate park, and uh, so I was very much tomboy skate park Pokemon. Those all don't really go together, but they did. They did for me. So that made me think of something strange about me. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I could tell some strange, strange things about, about these people. <laughs> We're not sharing strange things. <laughs> well, 
Because I, anyway, I thought you might injure yourself at the skateboard park. So it made oh, me think yeah. that I've broken my arms seven times in my life, and I broke my collarbone once, and that's it. That's enough. <laughs> I've never broken my legs, thank God. Um, but yeah, I broke my collarbone because I was fence walking as a little girl with my next door neighbor, Billy Redu, and Billy, <laughs> Billy Redu was jealous because I was always better than he was walking the fence. Of course you were. Of course I was, highly competitive. And so he knocked me off, but my foot stuck in the top, so I landed on my shoulder. So there you go. Where is Billy Redu now? He is in Wisconsin. Too far away. I will say I've never broken any bones. Wow. You, yeah. <laughs> you do. I, yeah. Um, I have seen Billy Joel eight times in concert and once dove that the stage and touched his foot. Show us what that looked like. What? Show us what that looked like. How did you stick, dive? Stick your foot out, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> and then I turned back to my friends and said, did it! Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, Susan. Yes. What year did you graduate high school? <laughs> that was a gasp. Coming through in gold and blue, we're the class of 82. Barbara, go ahead. When did you graduate? I don't school? have a clever rhyme, <laughs> but I graduated in 1961. Yes. I wasn't born yet. <laughs> Jennifer, were you? No, not in 61. <laughs> Morgan? But Jeff was. Okay, yeah. <laughs> That's another interesting fact. My husband is 11 years older than I am, so he was born in 1961 when Barbara graduated. The other interesting fact you should know about us is that we're very, we're two inches away from being professional pickleball players. <laughs> two inches on the Two inches on the end of the paddle. Two, two inches. Yes, <laughs> and we're just two inches away from being professional pickleball players. So if anyone's looking for something to do tomorrow afternoon during free time, I brought my pickleball set, and we will be playing pickleball, so you can come and watch. Where? Okay. Is there, uh, is there a trophy? <laughs> there is a trophy. Uh, and we have six paddles, so. Um, I also wasn't born yet, then. <laughs> I graduated from high school in 2007. Wow. You're a baby. 1990, baby Ola. 1990. Thank you. 78 is great. <laughs> All right, Barb, you can start us. What was the popular hairstyle when you were in high school? In 1961. In 1961. Or 59. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was called a page boy. You're down and turned under, you know? came down to about your shoulders and went under. Yeah. And I had my hair like that, of course. Yep. All right, Jennifer, you can go next. Uh, big hair, baby, big hair. <laughs> Curls, bangs, as big as you could get it. Yep. Susan? 
Well, I don't know what was popular, but I can tell you how my hair looked. <laughs> my hair was long and parted in the middle, no barrettes in high school, and when it rained and was muggy, it was big like Jennifer's. <laughs> but then when the weather calmed down again, it went back down. I feel like when I was in school, the styles were kind of what they are now. There was a part down the middle. There was kind of like no bangs. Um, I wore butterfly clips. Not a lot of other people did. They just didn't catch on yet. <laughs> and so I feel like we're just circling back around to what it was like when I was in high school. So well done, group. Uh -huh. um, Jennifer, popular band when you were in high school. There we go. Somebody else answers for me because I was a good Nazarene and didn't really listen to popular <laughs> bands. But I think I heard a lot of Chicago at the time. Yeah. I, and I did like Chicago. Barbara? Well, I didn't catch the word band, so I couldn't even tell you who the bands were. But, but Peter, Paul, and Mary were the very popular singers, you know, blowing in the wind and all that kind of stuff. A lot of folk people. Mm -hmm. I think when I was in school, well, I don't even remember. I mean, like... You just graduated. I know, I just graduated a couple <laughs> years ago. Um, who else is, like, my age? What, what did we sing? NSYNC? Was that high school? Was that... In Backstreet Boys? I feel like that was middle school. High school was maybe more like Katy Perry. Usher. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Usher. No, no, no. Yeah, that was... He was my main man. Yeah, no, I sure will. Yep. All right. All right, Susan. Oh, REO Speedwagon, Styx, Billy Joel, who I mentioned, Journey, Foreigner. Wow. All the greats. All the greats. <laughs> okay. Who was the president when you were in high school? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't read You don't know. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> I remember. All right. Okay. Uh, Ronald Reagan. Did you guys all hear me ask that question? Yeah. I know who the president was when I was in high school. It was Bush. <laughs> which which one? Which one? Second Which one? Second one. <laughs> Barbara, I know the president. <laughs> uh, my, my president at that time was John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Wow. So. Susan, do you have something else you want to share? Well, did you want my president? I do. Okay. Yes. Sorry, I've just heard so many answers. Bush the second Bush. Jimmy go. Carter and then Ronald Reagan. Nice. You guys. I looked okay. it up, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How about <clears throat> what was something fun you and your friends did in high school? Barbara, you can start. <laughs> well, nobody will know what I'm talking about. But so anyway, I could say anything maybe. But, um, <laughs> um, Oh, yeah, yeah, all right, yay, all right. Well, we all had 48, 45s, 48, 45s, 
45s, 40, little tiny records with a big hole in the middle. And you could, one song on one side, another song on the other side. And so you, we would go to our friends' houses taking our little stacks of records. And then we would play all the records and in usually the rec room somebody had. And we would all dance and eat food and have fun. Susan? Because I didn't go to church where they wouldn't let you dance. <laughs> Yeah, it was more fun. <laughs> well, I played lots of sports, so I would think everyone played sports, but also um, went to this one pizza place a lot, and I started developing my Pac-Man callus <laughs> in high school. So, and if you come over to our house, we've got a Pac-Man game. Ooh. All right, Jennifer, something funny your friends used to do in high school. So this is really going to say something about me, but I, I just didn't hang out much. I went home. Um, I did do sports. There was a lot of sports. And I did a lot of youth group. So youth group activities, that kind of thing. But I will tell you one story. So the thing that kids did, not me. I did not do this. But the things that kids did when I was in high school was that they cruised the gut. Anybody remember the gut? Okay, so the gut had to move because the police would close down one and then open up another. So a while the gut was out on Lancaster and I went to Salem Academy. So one night I was driving, I had a uh, like a 1974 Ford, uh, a blazer, a big blue, big old thing. And a friend and I were driving from Salem Academy where we'd been at something over to McKay where her boyfriend was doing something. We were going to go watch the end of his game or something. And so we were on the gut, but we were good church girls and we were not going to like look at anybody on the gut or like honk at any, like everybody's cruising around. And so we're going down and this car next to us starts honking. And I'm like, don't look, Don, don't look, don't, we're not going to, no, we're not flirting. We're not like, don't, don't do this, Don. So we're just like, just, and they just keep honking and honking and honking. And finally Don looks, I'm like, Don, don't look. And they're going, your lights are off. <laughs> your lights are off. And I'm like, oh, I'm such an idiot, which is true of a lot of my life. So that's good. Uh, they didn't really have a gut when I was growing up, but I will say this. Well, okay, they did, but it was downtown Salem, and it wasn't cool. Uh, but as a as a 34-year-old, when I go to Target at night, and they have the car show going on in the back parking lot, I cruise that gut. <laughs> and I roll my windows down, and I try to figure out what's going on. With my kids, okay? We're just... All right. <laughs> yes, in the minivan. When... Susan? Can I tell one? Tell one minivan story or one what? It would be a Jeep with the top off story. Yeah, you can tell one. Okay. Well, in South Point, Ohio, population 3,000, when Donna's brother came back from the Air Force, he let... Donna and me and two boys have his Jeep without the top. And we went out after a football game, and they, the boys were driving, drove right to the beauty barn. And you can picture the beauty barn. And there was a sign. Oh, you can't? <laughs> Give us some more description. Okay, it looked like a barn, and they did beautification <laughs> things in there. <laughs> And the sign out front, and this is under a shroud of darkness, the sign out front said, walk in for perms, 
$30. And the boys got out of the Jeep and made it say, walk in for sperm, $30. I was bad. Did anyone ever go in looking for that? What? Did anyone ever go in looking for that? <laughs> sperm? <laughs> I don't know, but I hear it was $30. <laughs> okay. I didn't do that kind of stuff when I was in high school. Uh, so you do it now in a minivan. <laughs> yeah, but it's like $150. Okay, when I was in high school... <laughs> when I was in high school, we used to go hang out at the mall. We would go to the Sky Bridge and sit in the Sky Bridge and watch people walk by and hang out and talk about boys. And, uh, and we would always go and get pretzels. So we also were... Wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this was after my skateboard and my Pokemon days. I kind of went up and then I went back down a little bit to mall hangouts. <laughs> uh, thank you for sharing. That was fun. Um, we're going to turn the corner a little bit. Um, and uh, Barbara's going to share a little bit about, so just a little history. If you were at the gathering a couple weeks ago, you would have heard this. Um, but if you weren't, Barbara started leading women's ministry in 1991, but women's ministry was happening before that. So she's going to share some of the history of women's ministry before she became women's ministry pastor. Cool. Well, um, Back in 1984, um, we started some women's Bible studies at Salem Lines. There had never been women's Bible studies at the church, and so a few of us got together and we launched Bible studies, uh, small group studies for women. And honestly, within three years, there were 300 women in them. It was pretty astonishing. Um, and then we would have luncheons. Once a month, we kind of graduated and said, well, let's do a little bit more, and we would hold luncheons over in the fireside room. Um, well, what do you call it? Courtyard. No, it wasn't a courtyard. No, it's now in it's, it's, it's what they, No, sorry. It's the um, Faith Annex. Oh, okay. Faith, Annex. Faith Annex across the street. Um, when it was one big room in there, and we would hold these luncheons, and somebody would give a message, um, Marie Boothman or myself. And anyway, we would give a message on the text um, that we'd all studied. Um, so we did that, and then we decided, well, it would be good if we had retreats. So we launched a women's retreat, and we would go up, Marty Brown remembers them, and she, we would go up to um, near Silver Creek Falls to the Christian Renewal Center, and um, many of you came up there for women's retreats over the years. And um, do you remember when Esther Cook spoke, anybody? She was a retired missionary from China, most astonishing woman. Um, anyway, she was probably at least 78 when she spoke up there, <laughs> at least, yeah. Chopped her own firewood in China. Oh, in Salem. Yeah, yeah, up in Kaiser. She lived on Juniper, yeah. Yeah, gosh, I didn't realize she, I don't remember. She chopped her own wood, wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and 
And then we decided that wouldn't it be good if we did a Christmas luncheon and we all invited our friends that maybe don't know the Lord and we would just do really nice luncheon and we would have all um, special music. So there would be like a mini concert, you know, at lunchtime. And so we did that. And so we did a lot of things in women's ministries, um, all as volunteers. And then uh, in 19, do you want me to carry on from there? Um, <clears throat> then in 1991, um, well, maybe, should I tell my Morris Dirk story? Sure. And I was born then, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I was too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you guys. Um, such children. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Your hair is grayer than mine, though. I know. <laughs> I know. So true. We won't say why. But, um, uh, so. Did you go to the beauty barn? <laughs> Not in Ohio. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, what am I talking about? Oh, so in 1990, <laughs> wow, in 1991, um, uh, Jane Wolf and I were asked to come to church and meet with Maura Sturks, who was the lead pastor at the time. Um, Julie, I'm sure you've heard this story. Um, and uh, we were at, when we got there, he said, I wanted to talk to both of you about whether you would... Um, kind of come on staff, but we wouldn't pay you, but you would be volunteers <laughs> to run uh, the women's ministry together because it had gotten pretty large. But we would give you an office each year, and will give you an office. And um, Jane had a, a counseling degree, was a counselor in town, practicing, had a master's degree in counseling. By then, I had a master's degree in biblical studies, been doing ministry for years, both of us. And um, so he, Morris didn't know that Jane and I had... Um, gotten together, oh, I don't know, almost a year earlier, um, I said, Jane, come on over to my house and let's have lunch, and I want to hear what your dreams are for Salem Alliance. Well, her dream was to start a support and recovery ministry, um, which became ultimately Life Path and had an unbelievable impact on who knows how many hundreds and hundreds of lives over the years. Um, and my dream was to launch a women's ministry that would really have a deep discipling um, element to it and really uh, keep growing women in the Lord. And so um, after she left that day for lunch, I being a little bit um, anal, I guess is the word, but I sat down at our old computer, printed up a document on a dot matrix printer, if you remember those, um, and it had Barbara's dreams and Jane's dreams on it, and I just tucked it in a file. And so that day that Morris called us in, I had my little file with me. And so I said, well, actually, Morris, Jane's dream, Jane, you want to share your dream? And then my dream, I shared my dream. And, um, and we said, you know, Morris, you probably wouldn't ask a man with a master's degree um, and many years and years of experience to work for nothing and be a volunteer. And, um, and so we feel like it would be important that we would be respected enough to be paid. And I, I remember, um, I, I don't know what your mom did, Julie, driving home that day, but I remember crying the whole way home because I thought you have just shot your one opportunity to do what you dream of doing. Um, and But then a week later, he called us back in. And he said, we found some money. And, um, <laughs> and in between the cushions, yeah, that's about how much it was, too. 
<laughs> so we started at $400 a month. Um, it was really exciting. But uh, the, point, uh, the point was respect to us. And um, anyway, so I, I got carried away. No, thank you. Yeah, that's helpful. Susan, why don't you share, us, share with us how you got uh, involved in women's ministry and took that role? Well, I was at a conference in Portland and in seminary, and my academic advisor came to me at that con conference and said, there is a woman from Salem Alliance Church in that room speaking right now. You go in and sit at the back table and don't let her out until you introduce yourself to her. And that was Barbara. And yeah. Oh. <laughs> So after she had started in 1991, I came to Salem Alliance as an intern in 1997 and then finished that internship year and then came, came back on staff as pastor of women's ministries in November of 1998. Yeah, thanks, Susan. Jennifer, why don't you share yours? So I'm debating the long version or the short version. How much time do we have? Okay, 34. I'll give you the medium version. So um, when I was newlywed in my mid-20s, Susan invited me to be a volunteer on her team as the coordinator of missions, and I said no. Um, for a couple reasons. One, I was a new mom. I was a school, not a mom, new wife. I was a school teacher and I was actually going through life path as a participant. So I already had a weekly thing and I kind of thought, I, I don't feel like I could take on one more thing. Um, but a year later at women's retreat, um, the Friday night message just got really got my attention and I ended up having a conversation with Susan and confessing some things where I'd had not a great attitude and then said, so do you still want me on your team? <laughs> And Susan, just bless her, said, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about this. And so I served under Susan for four years, and then I was a volunteer under the next women's ministry pastor for a couple years before I stepped out. And actually, it was uh, when my daughter Abby was four. I'd been home with my kids for 11 years. I wasn't expecting to come on staff. My training was not from a Bible school. Um, but God began to highlight women again and kind of bring women onto my heart and and there wasn't really a place for me in women's ministry at the time, and I, I was pretty confident of that. And so I came to Barbara, who at that point was the pastor of adult ministries at Salem Alliance, and said, hey, God's been kind of highlighting my women in my heart and my mind again, and I don't know what to do with that. Do you have a women's Bible study I could lead? And she basically said, just hold that thought. <laughs> and within about four months, the I was in conversations about applying for the pastor of women's ministry job. And it just blew me away that I could do something like that. It just is kind of one of those pinch me moments of getting to do um, something that you just love to do. So that was 11 years ago. Thank you. Uh, my journey to women's ministry um, also started at a retreat. It was my first retreat here. And I had been a young life leader for many years. And we started having kids. And at that point, I wanted to take a break from ministry. But I came to retreat. <clears throat> I uh, felt like God gave me a passion for ministry again, and I just thought it was going to be women's ministry. And so I uh, came back from retreat, uh, sat down with Jennifer. We talked a little bit about women's ministry. I asked if she would mentor me. She said no. And then I was asked to be, my husband and I were asked to be community group leaders. Uh, and about two or three years later, 
uh, I, one of my good friends was the retreat team leader, uh, and she asked me if I would join her team. Um, and I did that for a year, and then she stepped out, and then Jennifer asked if I would lead that team. Uh, and then I just love the team. I love the women. I love what we were able to do. Um, so I did that for a couple years, and then there was a, a lady, Annie Dudley, who a lot of you might know. She was a ministry assistant for the adult wing, um, and did she overlooked women's ministry. Uh, and when she um, quit, it, like the job was kind of an option, and I sort of expressed some interest, and they split the 40-hour-a-week role into two 20-hour-a-week roles. And, um, and so Jennifer hired me on, and here we are. Uh, I was hired on as administrative assistant for her, and then COVID hit. Uh, so I worked for about three months before COVID, and at that point, it was just like, we got to do whatever we can do to keep women meeting and to keep just people getting connected. And uh, I think that's kind of what started a journey for me of finding, like, what am I passionate about and what is God calling me into? But uh, also working with someone who was just giving me freedom to explore that and uh, giving me opportunities. So that was kind of my journey to women's ministry. And then Jennifer wants to say uh, so Morgan was hired a in administration, but she was promoted um, several months ago to coordinator of women's ministry, along with the admin that she supports for Travis and I and other things. So um, she's not, she's been promoted. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, okay, this question is for Susan and Jennifer. Can you share some fun memories that you have from your time as women's ministry pastor? <laughs> Lots of them. Um, well, w w during those years that I led women's ministries, we started meeting at six in the morning, and um, just the fun of coming together with the leadership team every week it, at six in the morning, it, it was a blast. And Jennifer lived close enough to walk, but I wouldn't let her walk because... <laughs> she begged and pleaded, don't walk. <laughs> because it was not safe. It was yeah, it was dark. Um, th but um, so many things, so many retreat memories over the many, many years... Um, a, an event that we did during those years called Holiday Dinner. Um, I won't even go into all the detail, but it was just an incredibly fun and engaging event that we did every year, and probably 300 guests came to it over the course of um, the two or three nights that we would do it. And um, one time, well, this might be jumping ahead, but... I was pregnant and drinking out of a water bottle, and then... Well, we have to back up a little bit. <laughs> On my husband's side of the family, there's only boys, okay? 12 grandkids, 11 of them had been born, all boys. On my side of the family, six grandkids, five had been born, all boys. I was pregnant, wasn't going to find out what I was having. Susan was pregnant, was having a girl. Now you can finish your story. And Jennifer drank out of my water bottle, and which she is had why a girl Abby's a girl. Too. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, just the incredible friendships, relationships. Um, I believe 
when I was pastor of women's ministries and that trip to the Middle East, that was the first in a long, consistent line of trips to the Middle East to, to serve and try to bless and encourage and be involved in the ministry. Um, Jennifer and I and a group of women got to go to Africa. Lori Stott was my roommate in Africa and can attest to the 12 billion um, mosquito bites that I got. Lori, Lori made these bags for that trip. It's still holding up. That was in 2004. <laughs> so, I, I mean, day after day after day, there was never a time in my life that was so woman-filled. And it was, it was a gift. It was eight and a half-ish half or so years just that were an incredible gift day after day after day. I am a huge fan of laughter, and you guys, I have laughed until I've peed myself so many times with women here at Cannon Beach, um, in leadership team meetings. Uh, the story that immediately came to mind when you asked something fun or funny actually was when Susan was pastor, and we were in Africa, and Noel, I see you videoing, and I just don't know who's going to see this, so just be, okay, perfect. Uh, so, uh, Susan and I were roommates in Africa, and we got... <laughs> We got the room with the fan that was going like this. It was hot. It was hot. Sweaty. And one thing that you need to know about Susan, well, let me say about me. I'm a good packer. And so whenever we would pack to go to the next place, I would also help Susan pack up her stuff. Because I'm a bad packer. But I put it in the positive. I put it in the positive. So one night, I had been getting ready for bed, and then Starna got, got kind of distracted by packing. And so I was sitting on the floor beside our bed in my bra and underwear. It was so hot in there. She was already in bed. We're chit-chatting. I'm kind of packing, and I'm just sitting there. And all all of a sudden, you guys, the floor was tile, and it must have been a little bit sloped, and I was really sweaty because I said, Susan, I'm sliding. <laughs> and we've gone back to that a lot of times, little inside jokes, I'm sliding. Um, so just relationally really good, um, really good and really fun times. Um, just this last summer, uh, we were having a team retreat, and um, Morgan came with an inflatable cow and a little cardboard moon. So we've got pictures of me held in the moon. I was laying down flat, and Morgan jumping over, you know, the cow that jumped over the moon. So <laughs> just silliness, you guys. It's really fun. And I feel like laughter opens the door of the heart for truth. Um, I feel like laughter is as softening sometimes as honesty and tears. And so, um, yeah, I enjoy that. Thank you. Uh, a couple more questions. This one, Barbara, is for you and I. Uh, share how your role in women's ministry influenced your personal and spiritual growth. Well, that's it's such a huge question, and I don't have a profound answer because it influenced it so many ways. Um, but I I'll just pick two. Um, one was I've always loved the Word of God ever since I came to Christ. And so in when I left women's ministries, well, actually before I left, but I had um, been asked to write the curriculum for the Bible studies for the church and did that until last until a year ago. I've been involved with that. So a lot of years. And those of you who are teachers know that the teacher always learns the most, right? And so writing that curriculum year after year after year after year just... Um, was a phenomenal gift to my spiritual growth. Um, you know, years when I, w for example, said to um, Steve Fowler, 
if you say we're doing Revelation, I'm quitting the team. I'm not. <laughs> and then he said, we're doing Revelation. And so I, I but it was rich. It was rich. So that um, and all of the mission trips, five to the Middle East and two to Africa that I was privileged to take, um, stretched me so much um, to trust God at yet another level, particularly um, I think, well, one, the year that uh, the Iraq war started and we took a team to the Middle East, that was a little unnerving. Um, and yet God was, ex well, obviously we're sitting here, or I'm sitting here, and we made it back. Um, and it was just an extraordinary trip, almost on the border of Iraq. And then another time when um, I was asked to speak at a conference in Kurdistan, northern Iraq, and um, come by myself. And I, I said to the people, I said, I, I'm really not so comfortable coming all the way there by myself, uh, flying basically into Iraq by myself. And since my hair is always sort of red, I sort of stand out in a Middle Eastern culture. Um, and uh, so it's so when I called Jennifer and I said, do you think you and Jeff would go with me? And anyway, so we did a retreat together with 35 women whose ministries we can't even describe to you because they couldn't describe them to us because they were secret ministries um, throughout Iraq and Kurdistan. Um, I know one worked in heart surgeries, but I don't know what she did or what the organization was. Um, but it was just so it stretched me to see the, the lives lived overseas. The missionaries inspired me endlessly. Um, so it just grew me to trust God at a new level in my own life. Thank you. Uh, for me, women's ministry is one of the only places that I get to interact with an intergenerational group. Uh, and I didn't know the importance of that until I was here. It's super easy to just be involved with the people that I know and the people that I hang out with. And even in Young Life, we're all like, you're younger, you're like... And so this was the first time that I realized, like, oh, this is important. Like, this is God's kingdom here. And, uh, and then spiritually, uh, women's ministry, um, let's see, I got involved eight or nine years ago, and um, it was where my faith became my own. Uh, it was when I could walk alongside people and say and ask the questions and ask questions of God uh, and be reminded that God's not offended by our questions, um, that there was truth spoken over me. It was where I learned that I do hear from Holy Spirit, um, and that was affirmed, and just people I got to do life with and walk with. Uh, and so women's ministry has really shaped my life uh, at Salem Alliance, um, and I'm just super grateful to be here. Um, and I have one more question for all of us before we wrap up, um, and that is, what is your hope for women this weekend? Well, my hope is just pretty basic, <laughs> that all of us, all, all of us, go home loving the Lord more and trusting him more deeply and realizing our desperate need of one another. We're talking this weekend about the God who loves us. And I had a moment 
handful of years ago when I had gone uh, for prayer. I'd asked some people to pray for me uh, specifically about um, I really wanted to lose some weight and be able to be more active than I'd been in a while. I was discouraged with my own attempts to be as healthy as I wanted to be, and I felt kind of foolish asking for prayer for that. But I just, I was like, I, how else do you get kind of movement and change? And so I had gone to some of the praying people, and I had said, you know, would you pray for me? And and uh, I had specifically talked about, uh, I didn't say that I would lose weight. I, I was not... Um, I was too ashamed to say that, but I said, I want to be more active and I want to make decisions that are going to help me be more active and be able to keep up with my kids better and, and be present in their lives a little bit more. And so as the, our prayer team does, they, they paused and they took some time to listen. And then the gal who was praying for me just took the deep, this deep breath. And she said, um, I just have this deep sense of God's love for you. And in that moment, I caught this flash of knowing that was brief, but it was deep, and it was as clear as clear can be. And I saw all of my insecurities stacked up on top of each other. And I saw a lot of the reasons why those insecurities were there, expectations on myself, expectations from others. I just saw this really clear picture. And in all of it was just this sense of, if God really loves me, then none of that matters. None of it matters if God, like if, and, and I can't even like grasp it now because it was, it was a glimpse of heaven, I think. It was a glimpse of truth that was just as clear as it could be. And, and I go back to it every now and then just in, the, in terms of something about God's love for us goes really, really deep. And it makes our stuff really, really clear. And that's my hope for you this weekend is a moment of Oh, if God loves me then, and you fill in your own blank, your insecurities. For some of you, it might be your weight or your level of activity or your health. For others, it might be emotional stuff. I don't know what it is, but the things that you wrestle with for you, we're talking this weekend about the God who loves us. And it's my hope that we catch a glimpse of how life-transforming, earth-shattering God's love can be. I would say that... I have the longing for every single one of us, but I will be so faith-filled as to say I have the expectation that the spirit of the living God will speak, and I beg that each one of us will know when he's speaking to us and will know it's him. Yeah, thanks, Susan. Uh, yeah, and my hope uh, is kind of what my first year of retreat was. It was a place where I just felt like I belonged, a place where I got to experience Holy Spirit, a place where I got to do it intergenerationally. And so when we were in our small groups, like we set them up to be kind of intergenerational uh, and that you would leave just feeling refreshed. Uh, so that's all for our panel today. Uh, thank you. Can we just give our panel a... Um, it still says that it's 2.30, but what time is it? <laughs>